you focus so much of your time on things that don't matter. Yep. They're not going to afford your family. They're not going to afford your uh, your marriage, your relationship with your kids. It's not going to afford your income. None of it. So you got to focus your time on things that matter and are going to make you a better man and a better business person and a better human being and contribute to society. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Pay It Forward podcast. My name is Austin Seward, along with my co-host, Keegan Walls. And today we have the pleasure of having Spencer Nicolotti, who is not only a good friend of mine, um, top producing real estate agent in our area, owns a bunch of rental properties, and has a really, really cool rags to riches kind of story. Um, so excited to have him on here today. Um, so thanks for being here, Spencer. Thanks for having me. This is this is cool. I'm just yeah. trying to think Joe Rogan. <laughs> Joe Rogan. Well, you are the first guest with the full setup of how it's supposed to be. Neon sign is up. So yeah, yeah, we're we're always getting better. Shout out to Dave Spikine who helped uh, hang that up. I cannot do anything. Um, so learn the lesson of you want to do something right, you better have the right tools. That's right. I had no tools. <laughs> yeah, you have the whole Rogan. By me saying Rogan, did you guys just lose half your people? But no, we no, just, we just had all fifteen thousand okay. people. Just that shirt right. might though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. No. Uh oh. We love it. We Snowflake love it. Time. So, well, cool. So usually we started off um, by just sharing a little bit about your story. So take us back to to young Spencer Nicolotti. Oh boy. And just share a little bit about your story and what got you to where you are today. My wife loves young Spencer. <laughs> she has a seventeen-year-old picture of me from my senior photos in her purse. Not lying. And she, she stares at it. It's kind of weird. <laughs> you must be. You must, I thought I'm going to call the cops. <laughs> Love you, baby. <laughs> um, so I grew up in the metropolis area of uh, Genoa. You know, you guys have heard Genoa, half yep. hour south across. 263 people and um, grew up on a farm. I only got to play two sports growing up, football and wrestling, because I, I always need to help out on the farm and field work. And my dad just, he only lets play two sports. And I was always salty about it. I wanted to play baseball too, but or run track or something. But um, always had to work on the farm. It's a work ethic, hundred percent. Came from working on a, a dairy farm. I mean, it's we went through some really great times. We had some tough times where we were eating butter noodles, spaghetti a lot, what yeah. <laughs> we could afford. But because um, milk milk prices just fluctuate so much, it's crazy. Um, so, anyways. Uh, Love playing sports, and while my friends were always staying in each other's houses and messing around on the weekends, I was always throwing hay bales or picking rocks out of fields and yellow rocket and all this crazy stuff. So, um, so on a farm, milk prices uh, they fluctuated a lot. So some days, some months are really good, some months are not. It's outside of your control. So that's what really sucked about dairy farming. But learned a lot of great stuff, a lot of values. Um, <clears throat> grew up, and I always tell people the running joke. Uh, I was. Uh, I was number three in my class, or number four in my class, and didn't even make top ten percent at DeSoto because three out of I ten. Was, I was oh. <laughs> come eight, hey, hey, thirty six, man, thirty six. Okay, let me get it right. I was fourth out of thirty six and wasn't even top ten percent. So we had a really small class. I honestly like school was bleh, it was whatever. I DeSoto. Nothing against the soda. It just it's it's whatever. Like it's it's not it's not very difficult to yeah. to have be on the honor roll. And I was always high honors, getting A's, B pluses. A couple of the classes I just cheated my way through. 
chemistry, just being honest. I sorry guys, teachers. Yeah. But uh yeah, so I didn't really have an interest in school, but I love football and wrestling. So I got recruited by uh UW Lacrosse to play football and do a little wrestling and day one at orientation I was like, This sucks. Like <laughs> I don't wanna be here. I hate school. I, I just I did enough of school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist, but that's it's funny you sit down with your guidance counselor and they're like talking to you when you're 16, 17. They're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or what do you want to do? And it's like, I don't know. I don't even know what I want for lunch, man. Like, yeah. And you're asking me what I want to do for the rest of my life? I just thought you had to pick it. And I, we were told the growing up that you got to get good grades in high school so you can go to college, keep getting good grades, keep your nose clean, stay out of trouble, get a good job and stay with that job until you're 65. And then hopefully you can retire and start enjoying your life. Yep. Yep. And that's just one of the uh, limiting beliefs and the, like the, the the falsehoods I believe that we have in society. And I just, I don't know. I just always something about me that just didn't sit right. Like I can't wait till I'm 65 to start really doing cool stuff, like and retire and enjoy life. That just sounds kind of miserable yeah. to me. My knees aren't going to work at 65. No, no. Can't rock climb. Can't no. jump out of a plane. You can't go. I don't know. Go scuba and all that type of stuff. It yep. just, I don't know. Makes no sense. Yeah. So. Um, anyway, so three semesters in, I bailed. Uh, actually, uh, I got introduced to Amway. You guys ever heard of Amway? Yeah, I'm sure have. Alive. Woo. <laughs> That's a tough racket to succeed, and I'm sure some Amway people be watching that. But, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's tough to make it go on that. I was literally, like, full-time, 18 years old, full-time job on top of working and going to school. Like For those that don't know what Amway is. Oh, it's like, um, I don't know, like a Mary Kay, um... Any amount, it's a, it's a multi-level marketing yeah. company. Yeah, direct direct uh, consumer company. So basically, um, yeah, so you had to literally, the big thing is you got to get your families and friends to buy the products and get them in business with you. And obviously you start the whole deal and people call it pyramid schemes. It's, but it's, 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 I see both sides of it. Yeah. Now looking back now, it was a little, little extreme in a lot of things. I did find my salvation through Amway. So really? I became a born again Christian at one of their, yeah, the first conference I wow. went to in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of weird. I was a Catholic and went and they had a praise and worship. And I was like, this is weird. Right. Like, <laughs> everyone's with their arms in the air, but doing the stuff. And, but it was where everyone, like you had to wear white shirts and a tie. So it kind of looked cultish. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of weird that way, but they yeah. changed it. I know. But uh, yeah, they, the guy gave a story. Larry Winters, never forget, and and uh, gave everybody the opportunity to come forward and accept Christ their Savior, and I was one of the first people down. It just awesome that day. Kind of changed changed everything. So, and I just realized college wasn't for me. So three semesters, I dropped out. I probably have literally worked like forty five jobs <clears throat> in my life. My wife always is like, "You got to write all these jobs down." <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I don't remember them. I, I I do remember almost all of them. I'll probably miss a couple, but yeah, it was probably forty five jobs to get me to. Where I'm in real estate. Yeah. I just was not a good employee. I just was not good sitting indoors. Nine to five is just not a good thing for me. Yeah. So, but Amway also, I, I got my salvation and I found my wife. So I met Dana through Amway. Hmm. Didn't know that. No. Yep. So that's, uh, I think it was, it was worth the 10 years of beating my head up against the wall and being Heck broke yeah. and tired all the time. I'd literally drive to Green Bay like two nights a week and wouldn't get home till four in the morning and then go to my job at seven in the morning because you're going showing the plan and trying to build teams. So that's why when real estate came around, I was like, I get paid what to sell a house, Newman? Are you, are you kidding me? I get paid X amount of dollars. Like I literally would try to go and 
drive to Green Bay to make a couple hundred bucks and get a guy, a couple guys on my team that I hope would do anything and just yeah. get no show. Yeah. 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 Literally get no show like probably once a week and drive there for nothing. That's crazy. It was terrible. Hmm. Bro, so your tired. sales skills were, um, you, you learned to be a salesman from Amway is where you, that was kind of your first sales gig. <clears throat> yeah. I would say 100%. Um, I also like whenever we did fundraisers for high school, I always, my dad would always take me door to door. He'd drive me around the, the countryside and that's, I always sell the most chicken Q tickets, most candy bars when you're raising money for, you know, high school wrestling or the booster yeah. club or whatever. So, um, <clears throat> just had that work ethic by my dad instilled in me and just, um, you know, go out and do the work. Don't make excuses. Don't complain. Um, you know, the, it's for the betterment of the team and, and the school, just go and raise the money. So, but Amway for sure was the first like major sales thing that I did. Yeah. Um, worked a bunch of sales jobs too, up until getting into real estate. So Yeah. It what was. what what did you do right before real estate? What was the last job when you finally made the decision? I'm gonna go into real estate. Oh man, uh, I actually ran a CenturyLink door to door team. So I bought a, a franchise through Diversified Link um, uh, from my friends uh, Lexi and Chuck that I knew, and I worked for them for a while, and then I ended up running and kind of buying into that. And, and I mean, during the summertime and spring, and it was awesome. But the wintertime came. Oh, nobody wants to knock door to door and tender you on there when it's cold and. It's dark out at four thirty-five o'clock, and people are wondering who's not going to do that. That was, yeah. I had, I actually, looking back, I had some depression and anxiety from like I would get like so depressed knowing I had to go out and knock doors. I hated it, but I think everyone should knock doors. It gives you a lot, a lot of experience and knowing how to work with people, get them to like you. You literally have a split second to, uh, for them to decide if they're even going to talk to you, and then you have seven seconds to make your first impression on them. So that taught me how to do that really well. Yeah. So but yeah, that was it. And Let's then, hear the pitch. what's that? Let's hear the pitch. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you, knock, you, you knock on knock on our door. What's next? I'd feel bad because CenturyLink internet sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even have Prism TV anymore. They used to have Prism TV. They don't have it anymore because it was so bad. <laughs> and yeah, I, I had to sell it. Oh, man. So, yeah, I, I was. Uh, and then um, Lexi, who married Chuck eventually, Chuck had a heart attack at 42 and passed away, and that really sucked. So, that also kind of deflated me a bit. Um, it made me like, you know, I really like Chuck was awesome. I really yeah. enjoyed him. But, and then eventually, uh, we'll f go back. Um, so I, um, so I end up, you know, marrying my wife. We actually were really good friends for five years. And this is kind of weird. I mean, this is part of the, the, the cultish part. So I tried, I tried to pursue here, pursue her like a year or two into being in the Amway and doing that. And it wasn't like Amway's just a company we work with. It was a, like a, a business group. It was leadership team development that was partnered with Amway. Um, I tried to pursue here, pursue her, and I got denied. They wouldn't mm -hmm. let me date because she was cross. Really? She was cross lined. Yeah, because she was in a different downline. Yeah, so it, it was it was me, and then she was down through over here through another really upline. Yeah, they wouldn't let me date a girl that I wanted to pursue. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, because she was on a different downline, different team. You know, you're messing with your uh, there, you're uh, some other uplines team, and you and you, you go in there, and you know, you're a jerk and take her away, and and, and take if you guys just focus as getting off building the business, and all you want to do is make out and hang out together, like that type wow. of thing. Yeah, I've never heard of that. I've heard of like you know, usually <laughs> if it's down your bloodline. Don't pursue that, but. <laughs> <laughs> <Down> that. 
No, Genoa. Just go to Genoa. You have to look no farther. Not bad. What are you gonna do? Cross the line, Keegan. Oh, wow. that's what a time right. to be alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really weird at the time. Like I just accepted it because you had this like commitment to, like you want to please your upline and not yeah piss them off type of thing. So, so yeah, I got denied. That sucked. But then like four or five years later, I pursued it again, and my upline was mad about it. But they just finally gave in and did it. And on her first date, I. Told her I was gonna marry her. With the, really? At a Dairy Queen in uh, Winona. Yeah. How'd that go? Over? We had to go. We had to go to out out of town a date so other members of the team wouldn't see us. Right. So Dairy oh, Queen no. was the first date. Uh some horrible Chinese place in Winona first. Okay. I don't even know if it's around anymore. <clears throat> and then Dairy Queen after that, we went there and got some blizzards and. Huh? Yeah, I told her I was gonna marry her. So what she say? She uh, she loved it. I mean, you know Dana. She yes. Just, she gets really excited about it. So <laughs> she was all about it. Uh, we dated for a year, proposed. Three months later, got married. So, awesome. yeah, it was great. And then, um, yeah, so, I mean, so we were building the business together. Um, so one of my, uh, I think a lot of people, I'm just, a lot of people know about this. I think a lot of people don't. So one of my biggest regrets in life, and now looking back at this, knowing this, was... Um, I didn't, or, or, or opening up a computer screen looking at pornography. Uh, that started when I was, I think, eighth grade or a freshman, so 14 years old, and uh, just got addicted to pornography in a bad way. Um, something I hid. Um, I had a girl I, I dated in high school, high school sweetheart. Uh, I think it, it was part of ruining that relationship. Um, but I took it in my marriage. I was very, I just, I was just so. It's it's one of those things you just want to be secretive about. You don't want to tell people about that. It's kind of a you know, even though I think, unfortunately, majority of our country looks at it and, and enjoys it. But to me, it's just I it's something I knew I shouldn't be doing. I was convicted to not doing, but it just was addiction that I had. So I took it in our marriage, um, and then it became you know just one thing led to another. So it's like now eventually you start seeing these ads. Like what's an ad for an escort? Like well, so it's the normal porn's not enough. So you make a call, like, is this real? And someone picks up, and you hang up the phone, and you're like, whoa. And then a week later, you make the phone call, and you have a conversation, and then you hang up. And then another week later, you go, and then you, you make the phone call, and, and hey, we're scheduling an appointment. And, you know, you, you don't even go. And then you schedule an appointment, you drive by the hotel. Mm-hmm. And then the one time I actually, so I did it, I scheduled a meeting at, I think it was the old Brookstone Inn. I forget what it is now, North Side of the Cross. <clears throat> Actually, this is a year into our marriage. Yeah. Actually, no, before with no kids yet, um, still broke, Bill Namway, living paycheck to paycheck. But I had this secret thing I kept hidden, and then eventually went to the hotel, actually walked up to the hallway, actually went to the door that was creaked open, actually put the money on the table. And after I did that, um, one of them went out the front door, and it was a police thing. And about six, seven cops just bum-rushed the room. And I just immediately, immediately started bawling like a little baby. Like I knew like two things were going through my head. Number one, like what did I just do to my family name? Because, you know, Nicolotti is a decently prevalent name in the area. Um, and number two, you know, God, give my wife the strength uh, to have to deal with. She's going to have to deal with because I have to go home and tell her what I just did. Um <clears throat> Call my uncle to bail me out of jail. He's a man of faith. I didn't want to call my dad because I was just too embarrassed to call my dad. And I just knew he'd be so disappointed. 
So I begged him to come with me because, again, I was just that, that much of a boy. Like, if you look at my mug shot compared to the five, four, four other guys, and one of the guys that was caught was, like, a lab, big labor guy, labor union guy. So a lot of the story was on him, but I was on the, the, the news, the front page of the paper the next day. Um, but I was, just, I, I was just a sobby little boy in the picture. Like, it, the, other, the other guys were kind of – a couple guys were smiling. A couple other guys were just kind of like – you could tell they were like, oh, shoot. But I was just a little baby, little boy. So I had to go home, and I had to confess to my wife what just happened, and that's a day and I never want to see ever again. Um, and uh, a lot of people wrote us off. I told her, I, I don't blame you if you just walk out the door and leave right now. Um, and at that point, there was never a divorce, divorce down to my grandpa. So that could have, a lot of people would have thought that would be the first one. And, and she looked at me, and she said, I'm not going anywhere. We're going to get through this. Mm, wow. And that to me was just like, I hit the lottery. Like, yeah. Wow. So the next day she, she went to work and I got put on the paper. She had to come home because, you know, it was the papers everywhere. She worked where, where she was working. So, um, and then I was on the news and yeah, it just was, uh, it was a really hard time. Uh, I had to call and make a lot of apologies to, you know, men and my grandpa and my family. And, and just, I had to really, and actually Rod home. I remember Rod reaching out to me and just shot me a message on Facebook. It was like, Hey, this is going to be the hardest year of your life. If there's anything you guys need, and, and they are actually really big, and um, him and his wife, and and counseling with us, and doing mentorship with us, and um, but yeah, I mean, she stuck with me, wow. and you know, and obviously we'll get into where the story's at now, yeah, because thankfully she did. So, yeah. so if you're out there, if you're addicted to porn, get help. It's it will take you down a path that yeah, you don't want to go down, yeah. especially if you get married. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a major topic, something we haven't talked about on the show, but I mean, it's a prevalent thing that or any addiction. And then the problem with addiction is it isolates and it takes you into a dark corner and you don't want to tell anybody, but the truth is when you have stuff or struggles or whatever it is, you can't do anything alone. And that's what the struggle or addiction wants to do is isolate you. Cause when we're alone, nobody can come around us. Nobody can help us. You can't see out of it. It's just you and your own thoughts and so yeah, I think it's a, a powerful story, and I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people that um, you know, my dad, you know, in the past year or two, you know, we obviously talk about like, man, look where you came from, and you know, versus where you're at. And um, he's told me people that I know really well that thought uh, Spencer's going to go. He's Spencer's done. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's just going to keep going downward and not get out of this. There's just no way. So, and I could see a lot of people blame them for thinking that. Um, mm-hmm. So that was rock bottom. Right? That was rock bottom. And I stayed appointed counseling I had to do this deferment program, which that was a nightmare. It was, I hated that because she just was not very nice. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> then I started uh, eventually. Um, I still was just, I, I was afraid to hand out business cards. I was afraid to give people my name because I'd figure if they Google my name, they're going to see it. Yeah. Um, it just, I lived in this fear and anxiety and, and honestly shame for years, probably a good three, four years. And then uh, finally, Dana, uh, we started going. To, we were we were already going to first free, but she's like, "Hey, let's do a want or um, a wanna. No, I not a wanna. Alpha, um, alpha. Let's do alpha. So my already sounds good. Let's do it. Because um, I just I was just so I, I don't want just living in my little box. And she will she'll even tell you I was just like a shell of a man for a few years. Um, at this point, we had one or two kids. Started going to alpha one night. He said, "Hey, we're just gonna." And I had people that told me like, "Hey, even Rod, like you should go meet with Sam Gallegos. You guys remember Sam?" I do. Sam Gallegos? Oh, man, I wish he would He's too left. young. I wish Sam would never <laughs> left. Yeah. So Sam Gallegos was like the family counselor um, 
or whatever his title was at First Free at the time, uh, the pastor there. And I was just like too proud. I'm like, I don't need a freaking counselor. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to go get counseling. Um, so that night they're like, hey, tonight is just going to be a night to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, so, you know, we want you just to kind of, you know, sit in silence and, and do whatever you want to do to just feel his presence. We're going to pray. Um, we encourage everyone to pray with each other, for each other. And then, oh, and Sam Gallegos actually is in the back if anyone else wants prayer directly from him. And I was just like, I could, I could just feel Dana's eyeballs burning <laughs> into my soul, like looking at me like she wanted me to go. And she kind of gave me a nudge. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to go talk to the guy finally. Like, you know, I, th I think I have enough reason to do that. And I owe that to her to do that. Yep. So I went and talked with him. Gave him a brief snapshot, my story, and said, you know, we'd love to love to meet with you and, and get through this because we still we, we're still not through it. Um, and uh, Sam was like, you know, absolutely, we'll get in the calendar, but let me pray for you. And he started praying for me. And as soon as he said, uh, Lord, I just asked you to take the shame away from Spencer. Like that, I turned into a, a leaky faucet, a running faucet. I just started bawling. I started, like, convulsing, like, violently. Mm -hmm. My body was for minutes mm. like i've never cried that hard in my life <clears throat> and like there's tears on the floor um and he just kept praying for me um but i walked out of there with a peace and just i was exhausted but i had this peace over me that i hadn't felt mm. in years and that was like and then sam was if you're listening sam i love you brother he was instrumental in meeting with me and dana <clears throat> both together both individually helping us work both of us work through issues but especially me and just getting me and Dana's marriage to a place where it is today. Um, and because of her sticking with me, you know, obviously, of course, all our business that we have and, you know, what we built. But, you know, we have four kids who are awesome. And we have a, I think we have a great marriage. You know, I still, you know, we still hurt each other. I'm a still a knucklehead. I'm, I'm a sinful man. I'm always going to be. But, I mean, yeah. man, it's it's been pretty incredible what, where we come from. I mean, that's a beautiful story of redemption. Yeah, so. absolutely. And she she gave me she gave me the grace that Christ gives us that we don't yep. deserve. Like I, I hurt people, people hurt me. That's what humans do. Um, but God still gives us the grace and forgives us. And she gave me that grace that I didn't deserve. And thank God she did. Absolutely, yeah. life's pretty good. She's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So, so what advice would you give somebody? Because obviously you were feeling tons of guilt and shame. Um, Somebody who's maybe listening and, and struggling with either that specific thing or struggling with something else, like what would you tell them um, to, to try to help them or steer them in the right direction? What would you give somebody advice for that? Don't listen, listen to your fleshly desires and don't listen to your ego. Your ego will destroy you. Your pride that you have to not ask for help is going to destroy you. Give it time. It will, I promise you. You need to ask for help. Don't be too ashamed because likely, I mean, even the person you're asking for help from, that might be, they, they could have the same struggle. Mm -hmm. And just no sin is sin. Like, I always thought, like, I, I have the ickiest sin in the world. Like, kind of a sex addiction, porn addiction. Like, it's, it's gross. Like, it's the worst thing to have. But then there's a the guy over here that's addicted to alcohol that, that disagrees. And he thinks his, his thing's the worst. There's a guy over here that rages and his is the worst. Uh, a, a drug addict, someone that gossips, they hate doing it. They think theirs is the worst. That's we always think our sin's the worst. Mm -hmm. Don't think that. Get help. Don't listen to your ego because if Satan will try to deceive you into thinking that you don't need help, you can get through this on your own. And that's Dave. Dave Twight always says, "There's a Jesus answer for everything." Yep, mm -hmm. <laughs> for everything. Yeah. And and he's right. He's one hundred percent right. And 
So that was, all of this was still pre-real estate, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So we've got through the deep and dark. Let's yeah, yeah. let's share the other side of <laughs> yeah. it. Um, it's awesome. It's exciting and it's inspiring for a lot of people that are going to see this. So, I mean, after that, what, what prompted you to get into real estate? Oh man. So we were sitting subsidized housing on French Island, Wisconsin. Um, those little town homes on Lakeshore Drive. So we eventually lived in one of those. It's what we could afford. We needed a little bit bigger a place because I think at that time we had two and a third on the way. So I'm sitting in that just like the CenturyLink stuff just it wasn't going well. I was losing my spark for that. I was lucky to have probably, gosh, 1000 bucks to my name, <clears throat> I'd say, and uh, in my bank account. And uh, I read this article. Oh, and, and during that, too, I, I was trying to do current, uh, crypto, not cryptocurrency. Oh, yeah. boy. I love <laughs> Big fan of crypto still. Um, um, currency trading, um, like actual, like, like Forex. Uh, yeah, Forex. There yeah. you go. Forex trading, USD versus the Japanese yen and all that. And I was doing that. I was putting a lot of that on a credit card. I actually, I got our, we got in, I put ourselves in $60,000 in credit card debt. Gosh. Um, before we even got to the Lakeshore place. And I worked two or three jobs just to get us out of that. Because um, <clears throat> I told Dana, I'm like, I got us, self, I got us in this situation. I'll get us out of it. Like, I, I dug this hole. I'm going to get us out. And again, just another um, another uh, a testimony of how great my wife is. Like, she stuck with me yeah. after that much credit card debt. But I've always been a guy that's I'm, I'm fine with risk. I'm fine with starting something new. I, I love risk because I know with great risk can come great reward. Mark Cuban always said you have to be right one time. Mm-hmm. You're right mm-hmm. one time and you'll be wealthy. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't right during Forex. I was a very impatient trader, way over leveraged. That sucked. <clears throat> um, so I was reading, I got us out of that, and I was reading an article by Mark Cuban. That Someone interviewed him and they asked Mark Cuban, and maybe he'll see this someday because it changed my life. Um, they said, Mark, if you lost it all, what would you do to get it all back? Um, and his answer was I'd work a high paying sales job during the day. I've seen that. Yeah. And I would bar 10 nights and weekends. And literally like, to me, this is a God thing. I literally like, okay, I can do that. And I always saw like, we always liked watching HGTV and home shows and we always, uh, people say it all the time, but we had this interest in it. Um, so I thought Dana's starting to become friends with this Lindsay Newman. Like she left a note on Lindsay's big old, What's that passenger van they have? Because there's 27 people yeah. in it or whatever. The transit uh, van. Yeah, or... the transit van. <laughs> so she left a note on that, like, hey, I enjoyed meeting you today. You know, I'd love to become friends. And, like, you know, Lindsay called her, and they started becoming really good friends. So I'm like, well, I should meet this Josh guy, and I know he's big into real estate. But I went on my computer, went on Craigslist, looked for jobs, and there was a bartending job at, it used to be Shenanigans. It's now Celebrations on the River. Yep. The wedding venue place. Um, Wish Full Circle. We, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I went there and got hired by uh, Adam Etram, and uh, great family, by the way, and I really like Adam, um, to bartend. It was 15 bucks an hour plus tips. I was like, boom. Like back in, what, six, seven years ago? Like that's good money still. Mm-hmm. So I started bartending there. Adam took a liking to me because I just worked hard and everything. And um, <clears throat> then eventually, like, they moved me full time to where I did all the weddings um, on weekends. So sometimes there's three weddings on a weekend corporate events during the week I would do at nighttime so I did that and then I met with Newman Josh Newman as a lot of people know and um and I talked to him about uh 
we actually rode down to uh, he he had me ride down with a to an Advocare event. And oh we, yeah, I'm like I'll ride with you down. I just want I want to learn about real estate. As you guys know, Advocare kind of went well. <laughs> another MLM. Yeah, another MLM. Yeah, that's right. Direct sales. Uh. Um, so I just remember asking him like about real estate. He's telling me about Cobro commission and this and that. And I'm like, well, well, tell me like if I sell a house, how does this work? He's like, oh yeah, for example, like the other day I sold a three hundred thousand dollar house, and you know, three percent, I made three percent commission, and I was sitting, I remember sitting there doing the math, like, yeah, I was going through my head, like you know that guy on, um, um, you guys have seen uh, the Hangover when he's yeah. playing blackjack yeah. and all those like little formulas and numbers. <laughs> yeah. I felt like that guy, like all these formulas and numbers going through my head, like we'll pop it up right here. I'll make yeah. nine thousand dollars. Are you kidding me? Like I would go door to door, and if I would sell internet and TV package, I'd make two hundred dollars. Yeah. And you're literally sitting there for like over an hour. So right away I was like, I know I can outwork everybody. Um, I remember when me and Dane were house hunting, we were one of those buyers that wasn't qualified that was bugging realtors. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. And I remember like, I remember calling these realtors. They've never called me back. Yep. And I was like, man, like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crush these guys. Mm-hmm. So I got started, put that, our, our startup, a few thousand bucks to get going on a credit card um, because of my me getting uh, arrested um, for um, soliciting a prostitute. It took like an extra month or two for me to get approved, but it was like Jan- end of January, Newman's like, this is perfect timing. You're going right into the busy season. So I told Dana, I'm like, hey, you're not going to see a lot of me this first year. I'm going to be bartending nights and weekends. Um, I'm going to be hammering real estate hard because I said, I'm not doing this part-time. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, who would want to trust a part-time realtor in the biggest asset of your life, and that transaction, yep. I'm not going to be that guy. So I did a full time, and probably hundred hour work weeks every single week, bartending weddings, two to three weddings a week, working real estate. I remember I would literally, I'd get a zone lead, I'd step out, like, dude, you got to come for me. It's like a big lead. Schedule the appointment, come back in and bartend. Um, yeah, and Dana, she accepted it, and that first year did twenty eight deals and. And I think it was like five million in, in transactions. And I remember, I remember this day Newman calling me and saying, "Dude, you're gonna clear over a hundred thousand dollars your first year in real estate." And I would have felt like I'm <clears throat> the richest man in the world. Yeah, I'm King Midas, baby. Like this is awesome. <laughs> like, I've never made anywhere close to hundred grand in my life. Yeah, I wouldn't have had to bartend that first year, but we just didn't know. I'm like, yeah. I have to provide for my family and make sure that they, you know, we're on the wick cheese. I mean, we're subsidized housing, mm. you know, but, and I even, uh, for a short amount of time before I got in real estate, I remember calling Newman crying because I'm like, I'm thinking about signing up for food stamps. Mm. And I never would have thought in a million years I'd be signed. I was the guy, and I, and this was humbling. I would poo poo people that did food stamps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, but I, I called Newman and he's like, dude, as long as, because I'm like, we have no money. And I have a couple of kids and a wife to feed. He's like, as long as it's just a temporary thing and you're doing it to get out of your situation, he's like, there's no shame in doing it. And I was crying on the phone with him because I just felt like such a such a pansy. Mm-hmm. I hated it. But we were out, we were on food stamps for six months. Mm. Literally six months. And when my, I knew we didn't need them anymore. I said, we're getting off it. Mm. And now looking back, it's like it's a good temporary help up for temporary, yeah. a not a lifelong thing. So. But just just bottom financially, bottom marriage, like it just was like, man, rock bottom was. I was like, man, I got to get out of this crap. Like this sucks. And how long ago was that when you started real estate? What year was that? Um, six seven years ago. So gosh, was it uh, when I was twenty nine? I think so. It'd have been almost seven years ago. So what is that? Twenty seventeen. 
No, 2016. Yeah. 2016 or 2017. First year. Yeah. And never looked back. No. First year did eight over a hundreds. I mean, I like telling numbers to people to give people hope and not engage people. Second year made a quarter million dollars. Third year, 400. Fourth year, I remember Newman email and be like, dude, you cleared $700,000 in commissions. That's awesome. Third year? Fourth year. Fourth year. And I was just like, this is awesome. Man. That's crazy. Just think, oh, wow. wow. Yeah. We have a lot, but it's it's just, it didn't. A lot of people want to get in real estate and just think, oh, I'm going to be a realtor and make a six figures, no problem. Like, <laughs> it's a grind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a grind. We, you know, we have way too many realtors in the area. Yep. Yeah. Way too many. Yep. So, and then Newman got me into buying investment properties. Yep. As well. Awesome. Turned me on to that. Now you're the man. Your face is everywhere. I don't know. <laughs> you don't have eyes in your signs, but you yeah. are everywhere. <laughs> I got devil horns. I got blacked out eyes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll call oh. one of those guys. Did you, did you yeah. figure out? Yeah. We, we, we caught someone. Yeah. You did? Yeah. That's why really? I took this kid off my truck. He's crazy. And I know if he sees my truck, he'll bust the window out. Huh? Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. I saw your Facebook post. For those who don't know, your signs kind of got demolished and wrecked. I did almost comment to your Facebook post, but I'm like, he might be salty, and I don't know if we're on that good of a standing. They <laughs> wrote something nasty, and I wanted to say, I mean, this is horrible to do your sign, but, like, he's not wrong, is he? And I was like, I don't know how you would take it, so I'm like, I can't play that joke. <clears throat> Talk was a little bit about yeah. being bold, Spencer. Like, you, you got some enemies. You got some people that don't like you, and you're not afraid to share your opinion. Um, yeah. That's one thing that I like about you, and I think a lot of people are – probably thinking the same things that you're thinking they're just not willing to say them so uh, talk about being bold especially as a person who's out in the community whose name and face is everywhere who's serving the community like how do you how, how do you balance being bold with making sure that you're not eliminating customers i i've had this conversation with newman a lot yeah um a long time ago i just stopped caring what people thought about me. That probably actually a lot of it started when Sam prayed for me mm-hmm. and I just started and I just released that shame. Like I'm not ashamed of who I am anymore. And I don't care if you like me. I don't care if you love me. I don't care if you think I'm an idiot. Um, I am who I am. I have my beliefs. I think, I think it's, it's a man's duty to be vocal when there's injustice going on in your community, when there's things that are wrong that are happening. Um, I have some things I'm very, very passionate about. Um, a few topics, but I was very, very vocal about the, the COVID shutdowns um, and what that, and I was, one thing that really disappoints me is that I really, I was so disappointed on how many business leaders were so quiet. It's like, I know what you think about this. I know what your beliefs are. You know, this is wrong, but you're not saying anything. So I, I mean, God tells us to be bold and courageous. Um, and I just have always, I think it's a duty as a strong man to, if you see something that you believe is wrong, that you should stand up for that mm. and stand up for other people. Um, I didn't own a restaurant at the time. Now I do. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't even own a bar in a restaurant. I didn't own a small business. We were considered essential. Yeah. We still got to operate and create and make income. Like that wasn't the case for a lot of business owners. They literally, their income got shut down. Everything they worked hard for was literally eliminated. The businesses had to shut down. I thought that was an incredible injustice and shouldn't have happened. Um, and I think more people need to take that stance and do that. They need to stand up for what they believe. Um, because what's the worst that's going to happen, really? Yep. Someone writes you a nasty 
letter, someone writes you and uh, sends you uh, uh, slides in your DMs and sends you a mean message. Someone calls you out on Facebook publicly. Uh, I've had people say, I'm never going to buy a house with you ever again or ever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look, that's fine. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to sleep like a baby tonight. Yep. Yeah. You know, I have plenty of business and I know the people that respect um, me taking that stance will take a stronger uh, relationship towards me to want to use me as yep. their agent. So people are too afraid of what other people think. And I think it stops them. Have you ever heard the seeds of greatness are buried in the or in the graveyards of America? Mm-hmm. So many people go to their grave because they're afraid of what other people think. They're afraid of getting judged. What will my community think? What's the world going to think? What's my parents or my friends going to think if I do this, if I take a leap of faith and, and do this bold move? And because of that, because they're so afraid of what other people think, they never, never pursue their dreams. Mm. I mean, I've always, my mantra has always been dream big, no excuses, winners find a way. Yep. Um, I literally have it stitched in a couple of my suit jackets. And on your license. On my license plate. <laughs> no excuses, man. Don't yep. be a weenie. Like, if you have something that you want to do and your spirit's talking to you, you need to stop caring what other people think because it is holding you back from doing great things that you take to your grave. And think of the impact you can make. You could be the next um, I, the, the Thomas Edison. You could be the next Elon Musk. You could be the next Steve Jobs. But you decided to care what other people thought about what you were going to do. And you didn't do it. And you stayed miserable in your little box, your nine to five every single day because you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to offend people <clears throat> or you care what other people think. Yeah. And that's sad. Yeah. I decided to stop doing that a long time ago. Yeah. I love that. That is well, great. Yeah, and caring about people, like you're you're so worried about what people think of you and caring about about people you don't even know. Exactly. I, I found out recently, I was at a place, found out, oh, so-and-so I brought your name up and asked them, and, oh, we're not a big fan of Keegan. And I just thought, that's hilarious. I said, I think I've had one conversation with that person. <laughs> and so then brashness, whatever, I was like, oh, so-and-so who's not my friend that I don't know doesn't like me? Oh, no. <laughs> that just wrecked my day. I don't yeah. know them anyway. Yeah. And they're good. people are going to judge. If I'm going to toe the line, They're going to people are going to be mad that I'm towing the line, that I'm not that. You can't, please. Like, you can't anyway. So no. you just got to quit trying. And I'm not saying to be mean and hateful and all that stuff but you're not going to win either way trying not to step on toes you're stepping on toes everybody's constantly judging and yeah that's crazy i've learned a ton from my wife a ton more than she's learned from me but i one thing that she's i've rubbed off on her is that she was a major people pleaser Mm. like bad Mm. and i just i helped her get out of like and so did sam gallegos helped her get out of people pleasing but man i'm still working on that i am a i am a people I try to be a people pleaser. Some people sure. might have heard that and said, really? That was you trying to please people? <laughs> yeah, I'm very broke. Sure. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, that's my bent, and it's just learning to, to yeah, get over that. I mean, do you think Shane Holden's a people pleaser? <laughs> Love you, brother. Come Keep on. doing what you're doing, man. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. he speaks the truth. He speaks right out of the gospel. It does not water it down. And But here's the thing. Look at First Free's growth. Yeah. <clears throat> he gets a lot of hate. I know he does. Yeah. But look at their growth. And the thing is, like, I'm pretty bold about things that I believe in on Facebook. I'm not homeless. Yeah. My business has only gone up. I have consistent business. Things have only got better. Yeah. I think if you're bold and courageous and if you it, you take a stance on what you believe and don't care what other people think, I think you'll get more people that respect you than hate you. Yeah. And if half the people don't like me, I, I don't. that's fine. I don't. Yeah. I don't need... 
They're not going to anyways. I don't need 50,000 friends in lacrosse. I don't. I don't. I'm good. Yeah. I have my certain friends, and I like it. I I love more friends, but. Yep. It's almost walking out who you are, too, as opposed to hiding and keeping everything back. I'm not going to vocalize anything, as opposed to, no, God made you who you are. Mm -hmm. Walk in the calling or the, the life or the ministry or the job that you are. And be who you are. Otherwise, we're just a shell of who God's made us to be. Yeah. yeah. You're not a man. Yeah. You're just a boy. So, fun fact. Spencer, uh, I joined the same brokerage when I got into real estate as Spencer. And Spencer was one of the first agents that I met. Caribou Coffee meeting, baby. Caribou Coffee. <laughs> I still have the, the notepad of notes that Spencer gave me of... Um, what he was doing and what he would recommend and stuff like that. So something I will say for a very long time as both of us grow our businesses, be something cool to, to look back on. But that being said, broke in credit card debt on food stamps, getting into real estate, make $100,000 in real estate, multi, multi six figures in the years to come. What advice do you give to the new real estate agents? Two out of three real estate agents don't <clears throat> succeed. I think it's probably higher. The number is probably higher than that. Um, what what advice do you give to the new real estate agent? I should be saying you should answer this question. <laughs> but because you actually, you, I sat down with you for probably an hour-ish over a $5 cup of coffee, gave you pretty much like this is what I did to be successful. I'm not the greatest agent in the world. There's other agents that are way more successful than me. I'm not saying this is what you have to do to be successful as an agent, but this is what's worked for me. And you took it, and you didn't just study it and cuddle with it and sleep with it and, oh, maybe I'll do this someday and talk about it. You just went and did it. Yep. So you went and took massive action. Old Grant Cardone, you went and just took massive action. Mm-hmm. And 10x the amount of action that everyone else is doing. So I just went and took massive action. I was afraid to, I would literally like, like, what is it? Uh, ready, fire, aim is what people say. Yeah. I just went and started showing houses. And if I didn't, I would tell people like, I might not know all the answers to your questions, but I'll find them and I'll write them down. And I'll, I'll, I work with Josh Newman, who's been doing this for 15 years. He'll know the answer. Someone will not get it. <clears throat> and I think people respected that. So most agents, they just go take action. They just sit there on their computer and, Think of all these ways where they can go get business, but they never actually go and do it because they're lazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not hard. They're, they're not willing to put in the work. Yep, they're afraid of a hundred-hour work week. I'm not saying you have to do that your whole life. I know there's people that love that and they thrive on that, and that's great. I don't want to do that for the rest of my life, but I was willing to for a few years do that. Yep, to set myself up literally for the rest of my life and lay a really really strong foundation to the house that I wanted to build per yep. se. That was one of the biggest takeaways because you spoke because I also joined One Trust and started with Josh and then we got we, we went on to eat at the Charmont once. Yeah. But then you gave us to go to the Charmont. We went to Caribou. You <laughs> <laughs> saw bigger and brighter things. Yeah, that's right. I was he, Keegan showed more promise. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but then you at one of like the team meetings you gave that speech and that's still something that it was probably the biggest thing I took away from my time like at One Trust was, and it's the same thing I told my wife. I'm going to work really, really hard for a season, and it's not going to be forever, but right now I got to hustle because my number one thing is my availability. I don't have the most knowledge. I don't have the most clients, whatever, 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 but I can beat everybody on being more available than them. Yep. Either they're not going to put in the work or they're too busy to actually help. Well, I'm going to just be a little net, and I'm going to catch all the little droppings. Um, not saying I did it perfectly or that I'm some crazy whatever, but had a good, successful first year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that statement that you said... That stuck with me. Um, 
and really inspired me in my first year of real estate. But it's more what I'm hearing and what I've learned from coaching and teaching other agents and seeing agents come and go in the business. It's less about the step-by-step of what you do and where you find the business and how to have the right conversation and stuff like that. You have to have your mentality right first, and you have to have you have to be convicted that you are going to win and you are going mm-hmm. to make it happen. And I can, I, I always tell new agents, I can give you the roadmap to make six figures in your first year, multi in your next year, and to build a successful real estate business. I can literally give you step-by-step. I can put time blocks in your calendar, but at the end of the day, you actually have to execute on that for more than a week, for more than two weeks, for more than a month. You have to execute on that for a year, for two years, for three years, for five years. And that's where most people fail is they don't have their mindset right around it. So a a follow-up question I have on that is, can that, did that mindset change for you? Or is that something that was ingrained back on the farm at a young age of wanting to succeed and um, succeed financially? And like, was that ingrained at a young age? And do you think that people can change that mindset over time? Or is that just something that some people have it, some people don't. Um, you can absolutely change your mindset. You have to make a decision to do it, 100%. I, I'm a firm 100% believer in, like, you control your actions and attitude. I'll get to that. Um, 100% back to the farm, the way we were raised. Like, we were we were a blue-collar, lower-to-middle-class family. And now my dad today is doing just well, and obviously when you sell your farm and, and, and he did it right, like, <clears throat> they're, they're doing good. Um but my mom and dad had my brother when they were 16 and 17. Hmm. They were literally, their priest said, you guys have a 5% chance of staying together and not getting divorced. Hmm. Like they up, they were against the odds and an uphill battle at an early age. <clears throat> and like they had to grow up really fast. Um, and I watched that and growing up and my dad could be a major hard ass at times, major hard ass, um, <laughs> Wild Bill. Yes. <laughs> But he's so like he's so chill compared yeah. to what he was. Really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. And it got easier and easier for each kid growing up. Like my sister, like she barely worked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know she She was so favored. Like she obviously she did she did a lot of great things and and worked hard, but not to, compared yeah. to me and Zach. No. Yeah. But no, it was ingrained early on growing up on the farm, seeing how my parents fought through adversity. Um. You know, a couple times their marriage was tough, but they fought through it. And I said at my re-wedding, you know, marriage isn't easy, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And then the things in life that aren't easy are always worth it. Um, so that, and then, you know, I, I, I poo-pooed multi-level marketing a bit. But the good thing about that is they really ingrained this uh, this entrepreneur mindset in you. Like, read read books, listen to podcasts and videos that are going to make you a better person and sharpen your, your skills. Pay for podcast. Exactly. Pay for a podcast. Um, don't uh, don't sit and watch TV. Don't want the new, watch the news. Don't do things that don't matter. Like, is that gonna is that activity or what you're doing there? Is that gonna move you forward in your life? Like, how bad do you want to be successful? Like Eric Thomas always said, you gotta be, you gotta want to uh, breathe as bad as you want. What did he say? I don't know. Um, you you gotta want to bre- uh, be a success. You want to. Dang it! What does see Eric Thomas say? You have to probably edit this part. Um, That's where we need somebody back there just Googling. (laughs) Oh, you want to breathe as bad as you want to succeed, or you want to succeed as bad as that's what it is. So Eric Thomas always says, you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll Mm -hmm. be successful. Mm -hmm. And I think people need to take more of that mentality and to be 
you know, you need to be hardcore. You need to be sold out towards changing your mentality and flipping a switch. And early on, like I, I didn't own a TV from age 19 to probably 27. I didn't own a TV. I didn't watch TV. Like people like all the, all the way you would have it on your political and social stances, uh, Fox news. I, I don't watch Fox news. Contrary to popular belief, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I think it's kind of garbage. Yeah. I think just like CNN and MSNB, like people just think I'm a Fox News stumper. Like right. I, I bow down to Sean Hannity. I don't. I, I just think right. all that is most of it's under one company and I, they have their agenda and I, I don't trust it. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I don't. So, um, so I just, I stopped doing, I, I, I literally for years there, all I did was. I literally, I would read books, I would listen to podcasts, listen to audios, and I was rewiring my brain to, to more of a, a success mentality and to think like an entrepreneur, to think like a CEO, to think like a billionaire. Um, I'm not saying I'm going to be a billionaire, but I, I just, I'm like, <clears throat> your average income is going to be the average of the five people you hang out with. Mm-hmm. And who do I want to hang out with? You know, if you want to be a ditch digger, hang out with ditch diggers. You want to be a drug dealer, you hang out with drug dealers. You want to be a millionaire, you hang out with other millionaires. And I pursued, when I got started in real estate, I looked up the top agents and I inter- I sat down and, and I bought and paid for their lunch and their coffee. <laughs> I said, that's just, a, it might be stupid, pet peeve, but I've had guys that want to take me out and pick my brand in real estate. And then when it t- comes to the bill, they got like a little T-Rex arm. They don't grab the bill. <laughs> Look, so, I'm like, I literally gave you millions of dollars of advice and you won't even pay for a $10 coffee. Who put the, the bill at the Charmant? I did. He did. <laughs> well, he better have. He heard me. I lectured people about that it. My also part of lecture. I went there. So this yeah. is after the talk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I knew okay. to pay for it. Gotcha. <laughs> the question is, what he what he have before the right? Talk? I'm gonna be 100 percent honest. I would not. I would have looked up at you and said, "Your wallet's thicker." Now. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, so I always like I I sat down with agents and I picked their brain and. Uh, to this day, I still I, I'm. There's guys I've been on on the hunt to try to get some of their time. Just yeah. I want to have a lunch with you, and I want to ask you questions. You're so much further than I am. Yep. Um, so reading those books and listening to those audios, um, which now like you guys know who Sean Whalen is. Yeah. His last sheet, baby. Um, love Sean and his mentality. He's. You think I'm bold and brash? You should follow Sean. Yeah. Or read his book, How to Make Shit Happen. That book is fire mm. in your face. But he's always a very in your face mentality. Um. But uh, Sean always is hammering people hard about what they're doing with their life and stop being such a deadbeat loser and going home and drinking beer and watching TV and all you care about is fantasy football and your golf game. Like, I'm not saying those things are wrong, but you you focus so much of your time on things that don't matter. Yep. They're not going to afford your family. They're not going to afford your, uh, your marriage, your relationship with your kids. It's not going to afford your income. None of it. So you got to focus your time on things that matter and are going to make you a better man and a better business person and a better human being and contribute to society. Yeah. Um, I've always been a firm believer that actions, everyone's in control of your own actions and attitude. The two things in life you can control, nobody else control how you wake up. And if you're going to have a crappy attitude, if you're going to be a big baby and have this entitlement attitude and blame your problems and everyone else and be a, a crotchety jerk to people, or if you're going to be positive, or if you get up and you're just going to be lazy and sit around all day and watch TV shows and binge on Netflix, or you're going to go out there and bust your ass and work hard and try to make a sale or try to forward your business. Nobody can control your actions and attitude. And the big thing is too, is 
people don't take personal responsibility and ownership of your actions, attitude. We're so good as a society and blaming other people for our problems and passing the buckets. I'm here in life because of that person. No, you're not. You got to own the good and bad in your life. When good things happen, you got to own it. When bad things happen, what did I do to cause that? How could I have avoided this bad thing, even if it isn't your fault? Yeah. You are full control of those two things in your life. And if you, the, the sooner you understand that, you will have freedom in your life like you've never experienced. We need more Jocko and David Goggins mentality. Yep. Stay hard. I'll work everyone else. Own everything in your life, the good and the bad, whether it's your fault or not. It doesn't matter if someone screwed you in a business deal. Yep. What could you have done to avoid it? You obviously did something that got you in that position. And if we, if our society thought like that, oh my gosh, we'd have so much less problems. But they don't. Then I mean, look on any Facebook comment thread of a, Two bedroom that's over twelve hundred dollars, oh, and it's it's that's crazy and landlords are greedy and um, this is you know what I mean. Nobody's taking responsibility. Is okay. Well, h- how can I pay for that that twelve hundred dollar apartment? Yeah. How can I pay for the house that's appreciated over a hundred thousand dollars in the past five years? Like, how can I do that instead of blaming other people and saying other people are greedy? Like, how can I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And then just. Finding a way to do it and taking action and not having, I just had a conversation with a friend yesterday of like, he has a vision of what his life, um, what, what he wants his life to be. And sometimes you overthink it of like, you have to have the plan in place to be able to do that and like see every step of the way, but you're never going to see every step of the way. You just have to take the next step. Yeah. And then you have to take the next step after that. And then you have to take the next step after that. And that vision might even change as you learn more things after you take those steps. Um, things change and you're going to head in different directions, but you just, you have to take the next logical step. So for somebody who might be getting overwhelmed with, I have to change my mindset and I have to work super hard and I have to do all these things, like just go buy one book and mm-hmm. read read a book this week. And then next week, Sunday night, when you're looking at the rest of your week, what what's another book that you can read or listen to or a conversation that you can have? Like just start taking one step at a time and eventually it'll turn into businesses and rental properties and huge amount of say, like you just have to take the first step though. Yeah. Um, and I think that first step has to be changing your mindset before. And this is a, a good reminder to me more than anyone else of being able to help others is you have to start with your mindset. Um, it just, it has to start there. You don't, you don't get rich overnight just like you don't become homeless overnight. Yep. It is a series of either very good decisions or very poor decisions that you make that get you eventually to that position where you're rock bottom. Yep. For me, it, it was a series of constantly making bad decisions and watching pornography until it got me to, to make a very poor decision. Yep. That make me have rock bottom. <clears throat> a series of bad investments that got me 60 grand in credit card debt and subsidized housing and food stamps. But, and that's why, I mean, you don't have any compassion for the homeless people. No, I don't. But, I mean, they, they got themselves in that situation. They can get them out. Get themselves out. They can yeah. still want to contribute to society. They didn't get to where they're at overnight. It was a series of bad decisions. Yeah. And it was the same for all successful people as well. And, it, and it's just a mindset shift and not blaming everyone else for your problems and your issues. Um, I look back and, I mean, I I... I I get excited to go to a conference or go to an event or listen to a new book or a podcast or, or play, you know, YouTube, um, 
there's some like just some couple channels I like to listen to. They put together these cool compilation videos of speeches and stuff. And I love listening to that. I would literally in my subsized housing, I'd get up in the morning, I'd go for a walk and, and just get some fresh air. And I did this for weeks and months on end. I would literally walk down. No one else is outside. And I would just say over and over again, money is constantly and consistently flowing to me from multiple different directions and multiple different streams. Mm. Money is constantly and consistently flowing to me from multiple directions and multiple streams. I'm a winner. I'm a warrior. I'm a kid of the king. Um, I'm the hardest working guy. No one can outwork. I would just sit there and I'd repeat this stuff to myself over and over. And you can call it cheesy, but it's worked out really well. Yeah. Like, I like the results that I've gotten for it. But you have to... Like, the spoken word's a real thing. Like, there's a book called Hung by the Tongue, and then the, one of my favorites, like, as a man thinketh. Mm -hmm. How you think and the things you speak, and I, I, I have to remind myself, especially when I'm golfing, I call myself a lot of bad things. <laughs> <laughs> like, you've seen it. Austin knows. Like, I'm really bad at practicing what I'm preaching. There. <laughs> Sometimes. Well, good thing you weren't in, in here with me and Ruth yesterday while I tried to hang the sign before Dave, because that was probably very similar phrases. Yeah, yeah. Like, just it's, I, but people don't understand the power that their tongue holds and the power that their mind holds. That I literally thought and spoke things into, my, what I believe I spoke things into existence. I thought things into existence. Our first property we ever bought I just got back from a real estate conference in Florida where they where they taught. I knew about create, creative financing six years ago. I just I forgot about it because the interest rates were so low or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I literally came back. We didn't own one rental property. I just bought my first house on seller financing, by the way, in Holden. Um, I got your back. First property ever. First property ever. Bought really? Land contract. Yep. Five thousand dollars down. Cool. Bought it. Made, improved it. Two years later. Sold it and moved to West Salem. So that was your personal house that you got personal on a land contract. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. From Scott Ferry, actually. Cool. Scott, listen, thanks, Scott. Um, Scott's a big real estate developer. Um, but our, I literally came home and I'm like, I need to find. Like, obviously, you come home, you're hungry. Like, oh, I just got all this information. Like, all these people that buy all these deals and do all this creative financing and taking over payments. Yeah. Subject to and all that. I literally like, I'm gonna find one. I went on Craigslist and again, another god thing in my life. I, I shit you not. Triplex for sale, 12th and Ferry Street. Owners prefer seller financing. Perfect. I was like, no way. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, this is awesome. So I, me and Zach went and looked at it, and we negotiated for like $230,000, $10,000 down, a 3% interest rate for 15 years fixed. Perfect. First triplex we ever bought. First uh, property. Yeah. And the thing is, too, so it was in the wintertime, we were having a hard time renting it out. We managed it ourselves. And this chick showed up, looked at the place, flashed a bunch of cash, and got me to believe her sob story of why she got evicted. Oh, boy. And in January, when you have a vacancy and you're already on a shoestring budget and brand new business, you're like, that month of rent and security deposit is a big deal, $1,200 each. So he took it, believed it. A month later, she backs up our septic system. We have raw human sewage in our mm. basement because her kids were putting stuff down the drain. Then another month later happens again, and she's got people going in and out nonstop, 10 to 15 different people, guys every day. Um, the neighbors would call me and tell me all this, and we, it was a nightmare. Booted her out, went in there, left a place, a pigsty, a mess. I mean, we, we called Surf Pro to have them take care of the, the, the poop mm. literally in our basement floor. 
Yeah. And I, we were really close saying, screw this, we're done. I, like, I can see a lot of people's, like, they buy a rental property, they have a bad experience, they screw it, we're out. But we, we kept, we're like, okay, I believe that with every seed of adversity, there's an equal, if not greater seed of positivity and benefit that comes from it. So something good is going to happen from this. Yep. And we just kept pushing forward. And we didn't quit. And we didn't give up like a lot of people do. Mm. And it's paid off. Yeah. That's what we have. And I do want to just bring the other side of it just because <clears throat> I'm a man of the people. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Uh, I'm a man of the people. Um, but I would say not everybody, it's obvious that not everybody has the same circumstances. So I hear what you're saying about some of that stuff and or homeless people or people getting evicted. Um, I would say at the least what we do have the option to do is our response to something. Life does to some people throw some extreme daggers that are not like everybody else that you, whether it's whether a huge issue right now is mental health or whatever, that it does put somebody on the street. So you might've gotten somewhere possibly because of your upbringing or whatever that was somewhat out of your control but at least we can respond to it so i want to ask the question of you guys both flip i would love to get into flips you guys are very successful at it have tons of money um doing it and again i don't say it to to be weird or whatever i want to follow suit and learn from you guys but where is the balance of the market is way hotter than it's ever been. We just reached what, a medium home price in Western Wisconsin of like $300,000. Affordability is way down. There's nothing out there. Investors, financers picking up the lower houses and either buying them as rentals or flipping. And I'm not saying this is you guys, but I have seen some where they buy this house for cheap, they band-aid it and sell it for 60000 more. And the people who are trying to get on their feet or maybe trying to make it happen, it seems like options are limited. How do you guys, being some of the leading people in investing and in our community, where's the balance of, this is a great deal for me, affordability is down. How can we, do you know what I'm kind of guessing This was the edgy question. This was the (laughs) (laughs) You want to start? Do you want me to start? Go ahead. You, You sound like you're ripping and roaring to go. Um, I would say that those properties, they're never going to be, nobody's willing to take on the risk to fix up those properties. And I mean, between Spencer and I alone of the properties that we have as rentals that we flipped, I mean, well over a hundred houses that were dumps that had distressed tenants in there that were, I mean, that you did not want to have that house on your block are now nice houses um, you're improving the community, improving the assets of the community, giving people that are first time home buyers or people that are not finding a house, giving them more opportunities. Like I remember you put a Facebook post out a couple of weeks ago, a month ago of like, we're creating inventory. Like these aren't houses, the Craigslist houses, the off market houses, the foreclosures, the pre foreclosures, like the, the first time home buyers are not buying those houses. Um, so for sure. there's a balance between cutting corners and you want to make money and become profitable, but you don't want to cut corners and stuff like that. But that's, I mean, that's any good investor that has experience in doing that. If you cut corners, you're not going to be in it for long. No. Um, You're going to, I love it. I mean, I love it and I agree, but I do think sometimes people from the outside see that 
Well, I think those are the same people that are commenting on the Facebook post that that house is overpriced and that they just bought this house for $100,000 and now they're selling it for two fifty, or that that rent is too expensive. I think those are the same people that are saying that. So that that's that's my answer to Do it. Do it better then. Yeah. Do it better. For sure. If you're going to be such a critic. They've never erected a statue to critics, by the way. Everyone's a critic. Everyone has an opinion. <clears throat> but they're not willing to do it better. They just want to squawk on Facebook. So it's like, do it better, or you take the risk that we're taking. I've literally bought houses where I never, I didn't even get to see the inside. Yep. But that's me taking that risk. And I can tell you, all the the worst houses we've bought, we've had, I'm not, I'm surprised we haven't gotten the keys to the neighborhood from the neighbors. Like, they come up to us and they're like, thank you so much. Mm. Praising us. I mean, we don't do it for that, but it's just part of it. We're like, they just, they're so thankful that somebody was willing to buy this place and make it better because it was the problem in the neighborhood. Yep. But it's like none of the neighbors were willing to go to that sheriff's sale. Why didn't they go and do it? No one else bought it. I took the risk. And a couple of them, we've had nightmare situations. But it's like, okay, this sucks. It's going to cost us an extra ten grand. I didn't expect. But that's the risk you take. And you hope to make some money. Now there's one that's like, I, well, I, I don't know if we're going to make much of any money. Mm-hmm. But it's like, for more so, the, the neighborhood is just so thankful and so happy that it's not the biggest problem house in Alaska anymore that they're just so happy someone's and I, I'm doing this going even if we don't make any money hopefully you know people think we did a good job and we get some business out of it for sure so a couple people want to call us to list their house and, and whatnot so you got to think long term too that you know people always just so they're so short sighted they're so microwave mentality they want things now 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 versus like you got to have the long term game in mind like all these seeds that you're sowing in this field of this empire you're trying to create in the area, like what kind of harvest do you want? Do you just want to do a few seeds? Or do you realize if I sow these seeds, I'm going to reap a huge harvest if you do the right thing? Mm -hmm. And if you have a good plan, you buy a property right. Some people just, they go to a RIA meeting or they watch HGTV and they, 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 they listen to these podcasts and they think about doing all this stuff, but they never do it. And then when people go out and do it, they're actually jealous and they, they poo poo it versus being like, like I had a lady once be like, Oh, the same guy, he was, Barking at the how poorly kept the the Cameron Park is that Nicolotti guy the same yeah he, well, he just bought himself a beach property in Fort Myers Beach, you know oh my gosh it's so like wow like just just slamming me for that I'm yeah. thinking one first of all I was in subsidized housing like yeah. I didn't have a a thousand dollars in my name mm-hmm. second of all um, why aren't you happy for someone that you bought a um, a nice investment property in Fort Myers Beach that we can go enjoy, but we rent out. Uh, why aren't you happy for the person? Third of all, why don't you like call me and ask me how I did it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he doesn't pay any taxes, that big billionaire. Well, why don't you try to find out because how he does this because you get to take advantage of the same loss. Yep, yep. You, could, uh, you had access to buy that property that I bought um, or flip that property, but you didn't do it. But you're ready to complain and, and shit on someone when they're doing well. Yeah, yeah. But again, I think that person, they, they sit in their misery and they have their miserable company that they sit with. And I think that they're living an unfulfilled life and they don't even know it. Yeah. So what was me life as opposed to, you know what? I'm absolutely happy for somebody's success. I'm yeah. glad somebody else besides me, but we are all the main characters in our own story and we should all be the, the kings and the princesses yeah. and the queens. Well, guess what? Every, if everybody's the main character, nobody's ever like looking out for other people. We're always just so self-focused that, well, I'm not successful and he is. So I, instead of, I'm so happy. That is so awesome. You did that. Let me learn from you. It's, well, that's stupid. That should have been me. Yeah. Didn't they think you did 
They think if you're that successful that you probably did some shady things. Yeah. Yeah. You cheated to get there. You cheated. Be- you're shady. You bent the rules, this and that. Um, you know what's funny is that you, too much money is always more than the person complaining makes. Mm-hmm. They make 75 grand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or 100 grand. I make 100 grand or oh, whatever. But if you make 150 grand, that's too much money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You make a... Qu- you make 150 and someone makes half a million. What do we need all that money for? Yeah. Well, what do you need 150 for? Yeah. You know, if you, if, if you think uh, uh, you, you can give a lot of that away, you know, like yep. you don't have to live off 150 grand because someone making 50 grand probably thinks you make way too much money. Yeah. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt to our listeners that they're probably not on the extreme end. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably at least have a desire um, to grow, a desire to emulate success. Um, so it's, it might not be that extreme of, of looking at other people and, and thinking that, you know what I mean? That thinking that did something shady or whatever, but it just might be taking that next step of like, am I really happy to see that person succeed? And if not, then time to look internally and why, why am I feeling like that? And, but give him a call and then emulate that. I mean, that's, I reach out to Spencer. I've reached out to so many different people and that's, a lot of the heart of this podcast and it's been so awesome to interview so many people but these are a lot of the people that we've had on already i've had one-on-one conversations with already but now to be able to take those one-on-one conversations and share that with others has been right super super cool so um we, we try to keep these around an hour we're kind of going on that time now and we really just barely scratch the surface on investing. You know what? You know what? You know what that means. Yeah. So I would love two. to do a part two eventually. I'm sure people are going to love this, and I think we should do a part two and do a deep dive on investing. But just give us a high level of how many properties you own now and like what period of time, because that's inspiring. That's cool for people to hear, and maybe a little bit of teaser and what part two might be if you're willing to come back. Sure. sure. <laughs> um. So we, six, seven years ago, started buying investment properties. I'd say probably close to six. Um, we just bought one that first year of three units. Uh, today, and we've sold stuff and upgraded. To, but right now, I own all my properties. Probably me and my brother, I think, have about 215 units together. That's and all. That's it. That's it. Um, Going to be more. Um, <laughs> and about 100 storage units. Um, we own some land together also. Me and my wife... Started buying properties together also because, you know, you make these commissions. I'm like, I don't want you to let us in the bank. I got to do something. And I think investing in real estate is by far the best thing you can do. Yep. Barbara Corcoran on her, she did a Bigger Pockets yep. podcast recently. And she is, she, they're like, what do you do with rates? What do you, she's, I keep buying, and I keep buying, I keep buying. And when I can refinance and pull money out, I you take that money and I buy more. Yep. Because real estate is the best investment. She's an aggressive, but I work kind of the same way. But uh, me and my wife, with what we have in our contract, we have some buildings in a contract. We'll probably, at, by the end of the year, we'll be at about 100 units just between me and Dana. Sweet. Um, wow. We're flipping seven properties at one time. Three of them on the market, three are under contract. Within a week, all of them. Um, on a campground? Yeah, we have a bar and a restaurant. <laughs> I say I bought a real estate that happened to have a bar and restaurant on it. Yeah. We bought that with two partners, uh, two other families. Um, me and Dana oversee the 15 rental uh, properties. Um, so... All that combined, I mean, do the math. If you're not including storage units, you know, we, we have over 300 units and then the storage units and then the the, the, the bar and the the campground up there. So yeah. um, if I can do it, you can do it. I always said if that, I always thought myself, whatever someone can do, I think I can do at least half of what they're doing. So if you're watching Absolutely. 
there's no reason why you can't get 150 units in six years if you yep. really want to. Yep. The, the, the desire has got to be there. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I probably have invested, I bet in myself and personal development and growth, we can talk more about that in the, the next one, probably $100,000 and going to conferences and events and books and courses and masterminds. Yep. So I was willing to make that investment. You have to be willing to do that. Yep. Um, but there's so much available for free. I mean, you don't feel like you have to. There's, no, you go to YouTube. There's so much available for like, free. Yeah. Google it. You just go to Google it. Yep. If you want to learn how to invest in real estate, Google it. Go to yep. YouTube. Yep. You can learn enough to be dangerous on there. 100%. And then you just have to go take action. Like I just, I was told like I work harder than other agents and I and I have a I have a bloodhound nose for finding deals. I just do. Yeah. Because I scour the interwebs yep. every day. When I wake up, I have my routine and I look for deals all day, every day. Yep. And that's, you have to have that mentality if you want to be a successful real estate investor. Yep. So, um, yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Yep. And go watch Sound of Freedom. Go watch Sound of Freedom. <laughs> Do it. It's honestly probably the, the that's, I think it's the most pivotal, most impactful movie of our generation. Really? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I'll have to give it a You have to watch have it. To give it a watch. It's a very real thing. I can't believe people like don't believe it's real and they try to. That movie was made five years ago. Mm. Do you know that? Really? It was made five years ago and they just were able to release it. Really? Disney and these other companies would not release the rights to it. Mm. A lot of people don't didn't want this movie to come out. Wow. <laughs> That's a whole nother. We can get in that. Yeah. Part, part two. two. Part two. That's we something I'm really passionate two. about, but yeah. I real estate investing, I I know we should I'd love to talk more about that. Yeah. Yep. We'll we'll have you on for part two. I mean, this yeah. was this was an awesome, awesome talk. So Yeah. Yeah. Last question. The building that we're sitting in right now, I actually bought off Spencer. Do you regret selling it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I yeah. do. I did buy. I bought a building downtown. I was so I was so sad and and depressed and remorseful that I I bought another building downtown, a block yep. away. Yep. So I love that, that building, but yeah, this, I, I know too. what you're making on this too. Right. It's up there, <laughs> you old turd. Dang it. We did upgrade to a 28 unit though, right? By selling this and a few other things. Win-win. Do miss. I win like, win, man. I like this building. It's been great for us. Yeah. So. Especially now that it's all decked out. I know. You you guys have I mean, we we didn't do a ton with the commercial spaces and what but you guys I've yeah. made the, the building looks great. Yeah. Really good. By you guys, just so our, our listeners know, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not give me any credit. C word. Austin. <laughs> well, thanks guys. Thanks for tuning in and uh stay tuned for part two. Hey everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. We sincerely hope that you learned something today. And as always, we appreciate your support and hope you can all find a way this week to pay it forward.